Lumos. Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of the Harry Podcast, the show where we analyze and discuss each chapter of the Harry Potter series from a literary perspective. I'm David. And I'm Madeline. And today's episode is called Harry Podcast and Owl Post. Today we will be discussing the way Rowling uses exposition in this chapter and the deeper meaning of Harry's birthday gifts. So, David, welcome to Season 3 and Book 3, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Woohoo! Woohoo! We finally made it. Yes. Um, I think this is both of our... It's up there in, in our favorite books, right? Definitely. I'd, I'd say it's in my top five favorite books. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So what are you most excited to talk about during this book? Um, well, I think some of the most interesting stuff in here is the character interactions between like Sirius Black and Lupin and Harry mm-hmm. and Pettigrew. And we learn a lot about James Potter and a little bit about Lily as well. Um, and just like their whole history. It's honestly one of the things that I think readers and fans are most fascinated with is the whole history of the so-called Marauders, the right. four friends. Um, and so we get a little taste of it in this book and we get some more in other books too. But I really love that whole like side of the backstory. Yeah, me too. I, I'm really excited for Sirius to talk about him and the whole, um, just kind of the whole, like, hype around him, basically, and how everyone's freaking out and what we think about him and then how it changes. And then I'm also really excited for um, Buckbeak and um, <laughs> ha- Hagrid's whole storyline of becoming a teacher at Hogwarts. Yeah, Hagrid does have a really great B plot in this book and obviously becomes important towards the end of it too. But just to stick to what goes on in this chapter, um, so we begin with Harry back at the Dursleys once more um, and he's forced to do his homework in secret in the middle of the night. We find out that Ron called on the telephone and upset Uncle Vernon. We find out that he's allowed to let Hedwig out at night now because she hoots really loudly if she's not allowed to go out. And this night, on his birthday night, he gets a visit from her and two other owls who are all carrying packages. The first package is from Ron. Um, He has a couple things in there. One is a clipping from the uh, the Daily Prophet saying that Mr. Weasley won a galleon draw and so that they are in Egypt on the winnings traveling. Mm Mm-hmm. And he also gets him a sneakoscope, which lets you know when untrustworthy forces are around. The package from Hermione turns out to be a letter and a broomstick servicing kit. Hagrid gives him a mysterious book that looks like a crab and starts to snap at him. Harry gets a letter from Hogwarts, telling him that third years are allowed to visit Hogsmeade on certain weekends, and accompanying it is a permission slip that his parents or guardians are supposed to sign, which makes Harry very sad because he knows they won't sign it. But he still is very happy on his birthday for the first time, he says, because he's getting gifts, he's getting recognition from his friends, um, even though he is stuck in his bedroom at the Dursleys. Probably his second happiest birthday, I would say. So there's not too much um, to talk about in this chapter. One, it's like really short. And Mm -hmm. two, it's mostly just like catch up um, from the last book, like bringing us to the present. So um, we don't have too, too much to talk about. Um, So I think later on, maybe we'll just talk more um, generally about um, the way it's written and sort of how this chapter is going to affect the next few chapters. But um, to start with, um, we notice that Rowling starts in with the humor right away. 
Yes, she does. She mentions, I really like her mentioning uh, Wendell in the Weird, uh, liking being burned because mm-hmm. of tickles. So this is when Harry's reading one of his books for school. Um, and it's basically talking about what we think of as like witch trials or like burning witches at the stake. So we just see the humor that she always puts in, especially I think when we get glimpses of the way that school books or um, other documents are written in the wizarding world. Definitely. Um, Interesting to note that between when Chamber of Secrets came out and when Prisoner of Azkaban came out, Rowling also published two other books. Right. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Quidditch Through the Ages, which were both um, like in-universe textbooks, Mm -hmm. which she wanted to publish because um, it was raising money for a charity. I forget which charity. Yeah. Um, But they're really, really cute books. They're Um, funny. They're pretty short. Yeah. Very, very funny, though. There's a big emphasis on humor. And I feel like she between Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban really sort of hit her stride in terms of being able to write for her audience and in a way that her audience would react positively to. Um, Because this book definitely seems like the book where she, like, yeah, hits her stride. And and the writing is is more appealing and approachable, I think. Yeah, I I think those are are really good. And I forgot that they came out in between these two books. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that one way we can see kind of her writing develop is that she... We've talked a lot about how she uses exposition um, and how she kind of explains, like, where the characters are at, especially in the second book after we had had the first book. She really kind of went over everything again in a kind of tedious way, um, sort of wondering, like, if people hadn't read the first book, maybe. I'm not sure. I think that's more of, like, a children's book thing is to do, like, a big exposition but now that sort of her readers are growing up and she's maturing as a writer she uses exposition in this really cool way because it's all through the letters that harry gets from ron hermione and hagrid basically Mm -hmm. um where we find out like how much time has passed what they've been doing over the summer um what's going to come up in the next school year all these things are revealed through letters without rallying either telling you or harry just sitting there thinking about them Yeah, I totally think that's true. And um, one of the interesting things that I want to look at when we look at each book um, is to look at the first chapter in each book and trace the trajectory of her writing style over the course Mm -hmm. of the series, because I definitely think there's a marked improvement. And I think it actually happens at Goblet of Fire. Mm -hmm. But um, we can even tell just, you know, between Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets and now The Prisoner of Azkaban, um, there is an improvement. In, In Sorcerer's Stone, the first chapter is essentially a conversation between Dumbledore and McGonagall that doesn't need to happen Mm -hmm. because they're telling each other things that they both already know. In Chamber of Secrets, there isn't a conversation. It's just that Harry is thinking about this stuff in his head. So the narrator just like tells us all the exposition. Right. um, In in, like block paragraphs. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this chapter, yes, there are those block paragraphs where it's recapping, but they're short. It it basically assumes that you've read the other two books. And it's just like, hey, remember... Um, and then, as you said, the actual exposition, the new stuff comes in the form of letters. And what makes this extra special, right, is that Harry would be learning about this for the first time, too, because he hasn't had any contact from the outside world, really. Right. Um, because he's been shut up in his room. So it makes sense that we, he would be reading that and that we would be getting it at the same time. So we kind of are, we are Harry in this chapter, which we always are, but it, we are getting the information at the same time as Harry, which mm-hmm. makes sense. And of course, Ron tries to call Harry on the phone, and that doesn't work. Right. So this is which is also a humor. It's a it's a great humorous moment, right? But it makes this the only time that Harry is receiving information. Yes. So we too are receiving it. 
Um, and and next book, um, Goblet of Fire, what we'll see is that the the so-called exposition takes place in a dream that's sort of like a vision of what's happening elsewhere. Yeah, she later um, pretty much like sticks to the first chapter really being out of the story and something very mm-hmm. different. Um, Usually not even from Harry's perspective. Right. So her, her first chapters are really a cool thing to study. Um, and again, we see that actually a pattern has been established after three books. It's on Harry's birthday. So it, the mm-hmm. books are always starting on Harry's birthday, um, at least for the most part. And at least when we were with Harry, they're starting on his birthday. And so I think that, you know, that is really good because it establishes a a pattern and it gets kind of grounds you in the school year and starting at this time um, without, and also Harry's turning another year older. So Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a good way to have her do that instead of kind of, you know, starting, she maybe could have started, you know, when the school year starts or something. She could have Mm -hmm. switched it up, but I think it makes a lot more sense to do it. Or an arbitrary day in July or something. Right. But I think, so there, there's a couple interesting things about that, right? So in universe, what is the reason for the action starting on Harry's birthday? Well, in this book, it's because this is the first time he's been hearing from people. Right. So we don't want to read about a month of Harry reading textbooks and sneaking Hedwig out to go hunt mice. Right. Um, so this is really the first time that things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in Chamber of Secrets, things happen because Dobby visits. Right. But... Is Dobby's visit a coincidence that it happens mm-hmm. on his birthday, or is it just like did Dobby know that it was his birthday? I, don't, mm-hmm. I mean, unclear. But um, either either way, like in this book, it specifically makes sense that it would be his birthday right. where the book starts because this is when things happen. Um, and and yeah, it's a good point. I like if you think about the beginning of the hero's journey in um, Sorcerer's Stone. It really does begin when Hagrid visits the rock. Right. So that, like, that's where the story starts. The mm-hmm. rest of it's sort of prologue. So we see that it's kind of interesting because in the first two books, we have, like, visitors, really. We have, like, Hagrid and Dobby mm-hmm. and um, this kind of, like, interruption. And right now there's – Harry is, like, locked up and we're kind of isolated with him. But he's getting, I guess, visitors in the form of this letter um, of all these letters that he gets – um, and he's getting kind of hope from the outside world in that way, even though no one has actually come to see him this time. And when we put this episode up, it will be hopefully either on Harry's birthday or the day before Harry's birthday. Yes. I haven't checked the calendar, but so appropriate. So besides the exposition that we get from the letters, um, we also get Harry's gifts and I think that there's a deeper meaning and kind of significance, especially related to, like, foreshadowing what's going to happen in this book and in the future mm-hmm. um, with these gifts, because these are really, like, important elements that come up. Definitely. So um, I guess we can start with Ron's. So first we have Ron's news clipping and the photograph that comes with it. And the photograph will be very important later because um, we learn that Sirius Black also saw this photograph mm-hmm. and knew immediately that his, I guess you could say, arch nemesis, mm-hmm. Peter Pettigrew, was still alive because of this photograph. Because Scabbers is in the photograph. Yes, Ron's rat is in the photograph. Um, so that's a, a hugely important thing because it sets off all of the events of this book. Right. And I think that's the specific reason why Rowling opens with this, with Harry's birthday, with this information. Yes. It's like planting a seed that much, much, much later in the book, 
Sirius Black will be like, look, this photograph. And, and Harry will be like, hey, I remember that. Yeah, that's something that she does really well, you know, throughout the series, but especially within books, she'll have plant something really early that you totally forget about or don't even know about, and then it comes up later. Right. Like Harry seeing uh, Lucius slip a diary into mm-hmm. Ginny's cauldron but not knowing what it means um, comes back later, obviously. Right. Uh then we have um, the actual gift that Ron gives Harry, mm-hmm. which is a pocket sneakoscope. So Ron says in the letter that um, Bill thinks that sneakoscopes are just a uh, tourist trap, basically, mm-hmm. that they're unreliable. Um, and so it's a way for the author to subtly sort of discredit the sneakoscope while also leaving it as a tool for the readers to use as a foreshadowing device. Right. Basically, it will light up if there's anyone untrustworthy around. Um, and as we're going to see... Harry finds it totally useless in this book because there's always someone untrustworthy around. Right. But that happens to be true because Scabbers lives in his dorm. Yes. Um, so it's, it's a, again, it's a really good, like, red herring type thing. It is, yeah. Um, and, and that'll actually come back. It's one of the things that readers have picked up on in the series is that um, sneakoscopes are always accurate, even when right. people tell you that they're not. Like, next book, um, the imposter Moody will say that he had to disable his because it kept lighting up. Right. Well, no kidding. Yeah. Because... Uh, he was an imposter. So Hermione's gift is a broomstick servicing kit. So basically cleaning and maintaining the broomstick, which, you know, seems kind of boring. It doesn't seem like there's anything to really foreshadow. Just Harry plays Quidditch. He likes Quidditch. And he loves his broom. And he's he so happy his broom. It's gift. true. He, he loves his gift. He loves it. So it's great. It's perfect for Harry. It's something he'll definitely use. Um, it does foreshadow in a kind of an ironic way the fact that Harry's broomstick will die in this book actually um relatively early on so he won't probably get to use the broomstick servicing kit as much yeah so it's a good bit of foreshadowing because harry is super like excited about this gift and he's so attached to his broomstick it's probably like his most prized possession um and this is like uh you know it's like giving someone a car maintenance kit if they like are really into cars basically Mm -hmm. um actually there's a lot of similarities there (laughs) but uh harry will lose his most prized possession and so it'll be an interesting transformational moment for him where he'll have to go without his favorite thing basically Mm -hmm. and then lastly we have Hagrid's gift which we don't really know what it is yet but it's a book that acts like a wild animal and sort of attacks Harry Mm -hmm. and he basically wrestles it to the ground and then pins a belt around it right (laughs) belts it shut um of course, Hagrid uh, will be the Care of Magical Creatures teacher this year. This is foreshadowing that interaction. Right. Because uh, as Harry later thinks to himself, who else would assign a biting book? Right. So it all makes sense. And he doesn't, even though he's kind of freaked out, he doesn't even really question it. He's like, whatever, Hagrid would send me some weird animal book. <laughs> yeah. um, because that's what Hagrid's like. So it's mostly foreshadowing, yeah, him his teaching. And then also, you know, his whole kind of, Hagrid's whole kind of character development around uh, caring for Buckbeak and just becoming the teacher and all that. So that's basically all the content of this chapter. But I think that this book is interesting to think about in this whole series because I think it serves a lot as a transitional book between um, kind of the more lighthearted more childlike, although they're not that lighthearted as we've discovered, but they are definitely more um, children's books, I would say, the first two. And this one is transitioning to much 
darker material Mm -hmm. and it will continue to get darker and darker i mean a lot goes on in this book not just with Sirius and all that but you know azkaban dementors i mean all this is really dark and again they're only 13 in this book so it's really transitioning to the fact that they are forced to become adults kind of even even faster than they were before Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I, and I think the most interesting way to look at that, and I'm sure we'll get into this much more in detail when we start getting towards the end of this book, um, and later books as well, is thematically. Mm-hmm. So we, we can think of the first two books as being sort of straightforward in their themes. The first one being about, you know, um, bravery, chivalry, loyalty, sort of the Gryffindor traits, if mm-hmm. you will. Harry becomes a Gryffindor by the end. Um you know, he, he stands up for what he believes in. He takes risks. He sacrifices himself. Um, there's a lot of that sort of thematic stuff going on in Sorcerer's Stone. And then Chamber of Secrets is more about choices. So um, Harry chose to be a Gryffindor. So that means that he values those traits. Maybe that's what the Sorting Hat actually cares about. Um, and, you know, the whole pulling Gryffindor's sword out of the hat, mm-hmm. you know, in his darkest hour when he was needing to be brave. Um and the literal defeat of a snake with that sword right. you know, symbolizes the struggle between Slytherin and Gryffindor um, very literally. But yeah, the theme is simple choices, right? right? And in this book, um, we're going to get into this again much later, but the themes are much more complicated. It's like, what does it mean to be a criminal? Mm-hmm. Or um, like, what is the meaning of friendship and loyalty? Um, and a who, lot of, yeah. Who should you be loyal to? What right. is what is right and wrong in this much more complicated, gray, murky area of Prisoner of Azkaban? Um, and then when we get into Goblet of Fire, it becomes even more dark and, and grimy and it's difficult to see. The themes by the end of that book are like, yes, it's impossible to win against an unbeatable foe, but we still have to struggle because that's right, even if it means sacrifice. Um and I don't want to get too much into all this stuff, but suffice yeah. it to say, like, it becomes a lot more complicated the further we go into the series. Right. And back to this book, I think there's also a lot of themes of um, kind of the wizarding society as a whole. So not just, like, what it means to be a criminal, but, like, how kind of, like, the media portrays mm, um, yeah. criminals or people. And then also the idea of, like, societal structures of, like, punishment, like Azkaban and... Um, yeah. using, you know, Dementors on prisoners and kind of, like, you know, the idea of, I, like, the death penalty, which it often, like, par- parallels, you know, it's sort of, like, a lot of these major issues about, like, crime mm-hmm. and punishment kind of that come up in the Wizarding world that are talked about pretty directly. And we see, like, this humanized criminal by the end, um, which is a, a huge theme. Mm-hmm. And definitely, I think we talked about this maybe a little bit last book when Hagrid got sent to Azkaban. Mm-hmm. But isn't it horrifying that like wizards don't have like a minimum security prison or like mm-hmm. a holding it's cell? Like, they it's have crazy. Either you're on like supermax wizard torture Al- Alcatraz, or you're not anywhere. You're not a criminal. If you're it a criminal, no they send you to insane torture Alcatraz. It really makes no sense, and actually, I think that's kind of a flaw in like the writing. But it's it's it, maybe a flaw, but it's also you know it's supposed to be a, a caricature. statement. Yeah, it's supposed to be a yeah. statement about how we treat prisoners because it's it's 
in this society, that treatment of prisoners is normalized. Right. Fudge thinks nothing of a dementor kissing a man who hasn't even stood trial for his crimes. Right. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's supposed to be a commentary on, on that. We also have some really good characters introduced besides Sirius, um, Professor Lupin, Remus, and, you know, being a werewolf and all that kind of the idea of, like, it's supposed to be sort of an allegory for AIDS and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's really, you know, I think it is a, another fascinating theme of, like, really just going along with how do we treat people that are considered, like, um, on the outside or dirty or bad Um in society and how part of that can be uh you can you can live you can you can be in public and get through things if you hide it and if you conceal it well enough um and if you go through like pain to get there so i think that really goes along with some of these darker themes that are coming up and also we're going to learn a lot more about severus snape who is Mm -hmm. a reader favorite for you know best character basically in the series um and so yeah i'm just really excited to to really get into a a more complicated and uh and gray area type of book i think this will be really a lot of a lot of fun to discuss yeah so thank you guys for uh bearing with us over this break and we will now be getting back to our regularly scheduled programming with season three if you guys have thoughts or questions about anything we've talked about today um it was pretty unstructured, but, you know, we touched on a lot of different things, I would say, especially the deeper meaning of Harry's birthday gifts and the foreshadowing that they represent. Um, you can email us at contact at theharrypodcast.com. You can find out more about the show and listen to any of our episodes at www.theharrypodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. Season 1 and 2 are there in their entirety. So stay tuned for next time when we explore Chapter 2, Aunt Marge's Big Mistake. I'm Madeline. And I'm David, and we'll see you next time on the Harry Podcast. Knox.